When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Deep Share Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Rouse, and for the last couple of decades, I've slowly been opening my eyes to a very different world than the one I grew up hearing about. And the more conversations I have with interesting people, the more mystifying this world becomes. So without further ado, let's get deep. We've got science to celebrate demons for this hell. Come on! There's rebellion in the wind. Everything I've said is true, it's real. Dinosaur blossoms? Now let's put those here to test our faith. That damn lie, I, I saw them with my own eye! Did I accuse just drop sharply while I was away? We did it illusions, man. None of it is true. I'm not insane! This is mass madness, you maniac! In God's name, you people are the real thing. We are the illusion! Welcome back to the Deep Share Podcast. Tonight, I get to talk about my favorite things. Near-death experiences, consciousness, all the good stuff. So please welcome Dr. Scott Taylor. Scott, how you doing, man? I'm great, Alex, and thank you for inviting me on your show. I have been looking forward to this. This will be fun. That's great. Uh, I'm Andy, by the way, not Alex. <laughs> Did I say Alex? I'm sorry. That's all right. That's all right. You know, it's happened many times. Either that or Adam. I get Adam a lot. I'm like, all right, that's that works. <laughs> but I am the Deep Share Podcast. That works. All anyway, right. so Andy, welcome to the yes. Deep Share Podcast. Here we go. All right, Scott. Welcome to the show. And uh, I would really love for you, for my audience to get to know you, for those who don't know your story. Um, I'd love to just jump right in. Um, let's get the, uh, the audience up to speed on who you are and what you've been through and what kind of work do you do? Sure. Um, I am, have been studying and, and an expert in near death experiences and shared death experiences. And that all began because in 1981, I had a shared death experience and what had happened was that um, I was in love with a woman. Her name is Mary Frances, Mary Fran. And she and her son, Nolan, who had just turned seven, had been out um, sailing for the day. And on their way home, uh, they were involved in this horrific car accident. And Mary Fran was killed outright. And Nolan had a, had a severe head wound and um, they immediately took him to uh, Mayo in Rochester, Minnesota. So he had some of the best care in the world. Um, and it, it took him um, six days to make his transition. Um, what's important for everybody to know is that Mary Fran was one of nine children. And in that, which means in that intervening six days, um, the family that, you know, scattered all over the country had a chance to come and hold vigil for Nolan, who was the first grandchild in, in the family. And you can, you can well imagine, um, you know, with uncles and aunts and cousins and friends and neighbors, it's over yeah. 40 or 50 people who had come and converged on St. Mary's Hospital in Rochester to be with Nolan. Wow. And because there were so many of us, um, we, and the hospital in the room he was in was so small, 
that we divvied up and we took two hour shifts and two of us would go in every two hours and have a chance to be with him and talk with him and keep him company. Now he was in a coma. Um, he never came out of that coma, but you know, one of the things we know about comas is that the very last sense to go is hearing. So um, the docs and the nurses had told us how important it was for us to, you know, keep communicating with Nolan. So as it turns out, my shift was from 3 a.m. to 5 a.m. in the morning of the sixth day. And Janny, who was Mary Fran's oldest sister, the two of us had that shift. And we went in and we, we told him stories. Um, we read to him from books. Um, <laughs> we explained what was going on with all of these young people who were trying to get comfortable in a small waiting room. And in fact, that night, the, the boys in the family had gone out throughout the Mayo system and absconded with the cushions from the couches that were all over just so they could have something to you know put on the floor so they could lie down and get some, get some rest. Mm. Anyway, so we were there and um, had a chance to be with Nolan, keep him company, and and you know just know that that we loved and cared for him. Yeah. Anyway, it got to be about quarter to five in the morning. We're at fifteen minutes left on our shift, and Janny, who was an emergency room nurse. Um, went to the end of the bed and looked at his chart and then she looked at all of these monitors that were surrounding him and she just she just shook her head and she held her hand out to me and said you know Scott it's 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 time for us to say goodbye and so we pulled up a couple of chairs next to Nolan's head and we sat there and we told him that he had been a very brave boy, that he had fought with all of his, his might and his will to stay with us here in the physical world. But if Mary Fran, remember she died six days before, if Mary Fran were to come and, and ask him to go with her, that that was the right thing to do, that it was appropriate for him um, to leave his physical body and, and go with Mary Fran and, and to not worry about us that we were, um, so proud of who he was as a young boy and the kind of effort that he made to, to be with us. So we said our goodbyes. We wrapped up about five o'clock and out we went and the next shift came in. Well, it wasn't 45 minutes later that the nurse came in and said, it's, it's time. Um, he will go soon. And so we all got up and we filed into this little hospital room. And you have to picture it. You know, you got 40 or 50 people and we're gathered around his bed. And as it just so happened, I was um, at the end of the group. And so it was already four or five people deep around his bedside. And so, well, that seems silly. So I just went over and, and sat on the windowsill next to Mary Fran's youngest brother, Willie. And we just waited. And, you know, you there wasn't really much you could do. I mean, other than just sit there and watch the, the monitor as it, you know, you know, goes and you know, watch his heartbeat and then it right. slowed and it slowed and it slowed and finally it flatlined. And when he flatlined, what I witnessed was Mary Fran coming across the veil and scooping her son out of his physical body. And they had this exquisite reunion as you could only imagine between a mother and a child. And I was somewhat taken aback because I somehow was able to participate 
in that reunion. I could I could feel um, the joy of that reunion. And then once that was done, I was really surprised that the two of them then turned to me and embraced me. And the three of us then went to the light. And entering into the light was the most extraordinary experience of my life. Um, it is at, at, at one swoop, you are immersed in the love of the universe. You are connected to everything that ever was and ever is. And you are unconditionally loved in that space. And that's just the light. And I'm there with Mary Fran and Nolan, the three of us. And we had then um, a chance to express our affection for each other. We had a chance to say our goodbyes. And then we had a chance to just be with each other. And then it seemed complete whatever that means. Um, it was like we needed this time to be with each other. And then they turned and went further into the light. And I came back to my physical body. So that's part A of the story. Um, part B of the story is that while I was up in the light with Mary Fran and Nolan, I was fully present sitting on the windowsill in the room with all of the relatives. Oh, I was, and I know I was because um, what was going on for me physically is that um, I was in the light and I was the ecstasy of that experience, the joy of that experience was like it had taken over my body and was trying to break out. And it, um, my face had the expression on it of adoration, of, 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 of joy, of ecstasy. It was, let's just say, if anybody had looked at me in that moment, it would have been entirely inappropriate. Right. I'm you imagining know, cause, it. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, just moments before, you know, Nolan had left his physical body. He died. And it was the second death in, in a week. And they lost Mary Fran six days ago. And then they lost Nolan. I mean, there is. And this was the first time the family was all together. I mean, there's a lot of grieving going on. Yeah. And so. Um, not to be inappropriate for the room, I took and put my hands over my face so that I wouldn't betray what was going on um, with everybody else. Mm. And I stayed that way until I came back to my physical body, was able to compose myself. I could, you know, lower my hands and then be present with all the other grieving relatives and, you know, cry on each other's shoulders and and do what you do. Yeah. Um, so part B is that I had um, two separate, fully functioning, distinctly operating consciousnesses. Um, it's not something I could explain in the moment. Now, you know, all these years later, I can say what happened to me was I bilocated. I had two separate fully functioning consciousnesses. They were in different locations. And it was so outside of my experience. I mean, I grew up in southern Minnesota in a little town called Mankato. Um, and, you know, attended, you know, the Presbyterian Church. And let's just say that by location, seeing people come, you know, across the veil, um, in the moment of my greatest grief, I'm in my greatest joy. None of that is part of the lexicon of the Presbyterian <laughs> church. Right. So it was, 
really outside of my experience. And I mean, I didn't tell anybody 15 years. I mean, it was. Oh, wow. It, and at that, at that time, um, there wasn't safety in, the, in disclosure. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have um, the words for it. I do now, but, you know, I've been studying this for, you know, 35 years. Mm. Um, I didn't have the words for it. I didn't have the concepts for it. I didn't have a frame of reference for how this could happen. Um, so. You showed just, restraint where you kept, needed to. I, I, just, <laughs> I just kept quiet. Yeah, that's I wish I had done the same when I had my experiences early on. I was like 19. I'm 37 now. And yeah, it was just pouring out of me immediately. I couldn't help myself, you know, and of course, it's had to be refined over the last 20 years, you know. Oh, yeah. And so it wasn't as if I didn't do anything with it. Um, Right. (laughs) You know, one of the things that happens to near death experiencers is they become intensely curious and that was and that was me because i i knew that if i was in that place once i could do it again Mm -hmm. if i did it once i could do it again and so i just went on this search i started out by going to visit the ancient religious sites of the world so i went to Machu Picchu and Stonehenge and the Sphinx and the Great Pyramids and the Oracle of Delphi and more churches, cathedrals than I can even tell you. Hoping to look for that spark of energy that would help propel me into that space again. Um, It didn't work. I had wonderful travelogues. I mean, it's just beautiful. Some of these locations and I learned quite a bit about who we are as as human beings and especially within the structure of the various churches. Um, And so I did more experiential things. I, you know, I studied shamanism and studied with shamans in the South America and North America. And I started different meditation traditions. Um, The Emoto in Japan, I studied TM. I, um, I eventually found the Monroe Institute which teaches a very specific kind of meditation using uh, binaural beat technology to, to help. Mm-hmm. And that was the key. Yeah. That type, that form of meditation helped propel me back into that space where I was able to contact Mary Fran and Nolan again. Wow. And be able to um, enter into a dialogue with them and you know, they're part of my life today. That's incredible. That's amazing. Now, growing up, you know, I'm assuming religious way you said, you know, you probably followed at least a little bit of what you were taught in church and everything. Um, When you were saying that this was really kind of a a challenge to confront because you had no real reference for it, how has that evolved over time and what is your perception of mm. this now did it like reconfirm christian beliefs or did it kind of take what you probably were hearing from the church and expand on it? how did it affect you in that way thank you for asking that question because <laughs> one of the steps that i took was um i went to seminary I said well you know i have to I have to do explore this not only experientially but academically and anyway and yes. <laughs> so I wound up doing um, the new seminary in New York City. It's an interfaith seminary, so the faculty there um, is run by Rabbi Joseph Gelberman, and it you know there were ministers and and rabbis and sheikhs and and practitioners of Voodoo and Catholic priests and I mean it was this amalgamation of Hindu and Buddhist and Christian and, and shamans and, oh my God. (laughs) But to get to your question, um, what it did for me was to reinforce that we're all looking for the same thing. Mm. We're all trying to touch the divine in some way. 
And we have different words to express that. We have different traditions for how to access that. But we're all trying to do our best to say that the divine is part of our life mm -hmm. and that we can be guided by it and that we have some part of our nature is is divine and of course that depending on your tradition that that changes um and the the closest that i came um so the so academically i wound up studying leadership at the university of saint thomas and my dissertation um was about persons that have had near-death experiences mm -hmm. and that academic search led me to understand um, the different approaches but it also helped me to look at the my tradition um, and because I'd had this shared death experience um, you know, in the Presbyterian tradition, there were some things I went and I go, hmm, they didn't get this quite right. That's not my experience. And that's not the experience of uh, people who've had near-death experiences. Because um, I've read over 6,000 cases of near-death experiences. So I have a pretty good handle on, on that. And anyway, I finally landed. Um, there is a tradition called unity. It's a Christian tradition that comes out of the, the schism that happened in Protestantism in the late 1800s, the New Thought schism. And, and it's based on the philosophy that we are born of original blessing and not original sin. Hmm. That is closest to what near-death experiencers have. And it is certainly in total alignment with what we now know about shared death experiences so that's where i've landed you know people land all over the place oh absolutely yeah I'm you know it's it's what makes sense for me mm -hmm. and um and how i view the world but um it's been quite a search i can imagine. and and i can concur. tons of books lots <laughs> of interviews um became part of the international association for near-death studies wonderful people they have fabulous conferences oh, and yeah. i've been lucky enough to be the mc for their international conferences for the last dozen years or so oh wow and so as a result i met a lot of people with these amazing stories i i, I know almost all of the the major researchers in um, near-death experiences and my hat's off to them because they have done a remarkable thing in western culture um do we have a second to talk about that absolutely we can go okay, wherever so, you want to take it <laughs> this is this is a group of people who 45 years ago plus or minus sat down and said there's this thing happening it's called near-death experiences, and we need to investigate this from a scientific viewpoint and do some real heavy-duty research, and they did. And over yeah. the course of the last 25 years or so, um, there's been painstaking research on, is it real? And the answer is yes. Is, you know, what's the role of the human brain? It's a filter. It's not the seat of consciousness that resides within the non-physical body. So there's a bunch of things that they have, um, you know, blown up in terms of the scientific community and what is consciousness and where does it reside. But the thing that's been most remarkable in, in my view is how people have changed their viewpoint of death. So mm. pause here for just a second. I'm going to be right back. Sure, sure. This is great. I love talking about death. <laughs> as little as uh, as little as 10 years ago, if somebody said to you, 
draw me a picture of what death, you know, what represents death. Mm -hmm. This is what would come up. <laughs> right? Fear. The Grim Reaper. And, you know, the Grim Reaper represented, you know, well, first of all, he's grim. You know, so death is something that's that's awful to behold. Yes. And there's a sigh, which is, you know, it's like capricious. You know, we just cut down people and it's dark and it's mysterious. And very often you don't see a face. It's usually a hooded figure with no face. So, right. you know, there's there's no way to um, personalize it or it's it's just this arbitrary thing that happens in the universe. And oh, my God, you should be afraid of it because <laughs> let's take a look at that. That is almost entirely gone now. If you said today, draw me something that looks like what is death, this is what you'll get. Yeah. You'll get the light at the end of the tunnel. That is the new metaphor for death. And it's the researchers and IANS and people at the University of Virginia, DOPS, the Department of Perceptual Studies, they have made such advances and these stories about what really happens when we make our transition, it's amazing. It's wonderful. It's like what happened to me with mm. Mary Fran. I mean, you're immersed into this loving light of the universe and it's benevolent. It's, it's personal. And we now know that, you know, once you enter into the light, you know, there's this unconditional acceptance, you know, whatever your story, you are loved and brought back into the creative whole that is uh, the loving nature of the universe. And on top of that, you know, just as you enter into it, there's a party. <laughs> there's yeah. this reunion with all of your dead relatives and friends and pets that you, you know, have missed because, they have gone on before you and you get to have this rather remarkable. Um, uh, yeah, I guess a welcoming party is as good as I could explain it. Mm. And, you know, there's grandma and grandpa and great uncle Fred, you know, <laughs> my two best friends in high school who, who died before me. And, you know, it's like they're all there wow. and they catch you up. You get to catch them up. You get to have a party like you want. It's it's wonderful. And mm -hmm. so something like near-death research and looking into something that was um, ineffable, isn't that a yeah. great word? meaning we don't really have good words for it. Right. Um, but you keep picking away at it. You do a little study here and there and you look at it through all of these different lenses and then all of a sudden it's not scary anymore and it's filled with all of these wonderful stories about acceptance and love and who we are as multiple, multiple multi-dimensional beings mm -hmm. and we get to understand more about who we are. You know, what does it mean to be human? And, right. you know, what's this whole thing about reincarnation and time? Mm -hmm. I mean... Now, all of a sudden, all of these avenues start to open up, and it's been the work of near-death experiencers in getting this out. Funny enough, it gives language to the physicists who are discovering the same thing on the other end of the spectrum, mm. you know, the very hard science folks. They're coming to the same conclusions about you know, what is time and what's the nature of the universe and what is the most fundamental thing in the universe? It's consciousness. Oh, absolutely. And consciousness, you know, um, time springs out of that. Um, all things material. So, you know, the molecules, the atoms, that all springs out of consciousness. Yeah, and, I, I would agree. You know, as Stefan Schwartz says, you know, you just can't get behind consciousness. That That is the fundamental nature of the universe. And, you know, it's not indifferent. <laughs> it's like it's Alan, Watts, Alan Watts used to say, it's like trying to bite your own teeth to like, <laughs> to fathom I consciousness. I love yeah, that. it's a great line. It, it would make me laugh out loud hearing it because it, it's just spoke to my experiences too, where you come back and it's like, well, for me it was different because I had my experiences through psychedelic drugs and 
it's interesting that you're kind of setting up the history here with, you know, people like uh previous guest on my show, Raymond Moody, he mm. did a ton of work for the, for the, the whole subject matter. And all these people were so involved in near death experience and researching. And then, like you said, on the other end, you got physicists doing their work on another angle, another shade of gray on this spectrum of consciousness. Yep. And then meanwhile, you had psychonauts traveling the, the psychedelic realms and, yeah, it, it's very interesting to me, the conjunction of all these different avenues. I even include a lot of alien encounter experiences and paranormal things. Like th this is a clearly a spectrum, in my opinion, that's going on. And yep. but what I'm what I always often wrestle with, even after my experiences, because I came back with a lot of questions, but not a lot of answers. Right. And and throughout my research and going back to that place and this and that I've come back with quite a few answers, but there's always this elusive nature to it. And what's befuddled me is when I do bring all these subjects together and I start learning about how time is like linear time in particular is a, it's kind of a function of, or or a byproduct of or something of that nature of physical material dense reality yep. whereas outside of that so I, I know i'm all over the place here but my, my one of my experiences was was i guess you could say in contact with god or whatever that source is and kind of being able to briefly take on that grand perspective because yep. I, I think this is where a lot of people fall off and think that they are God. And, you know, it kind of goes down that very uh, right hand path kind of thing. But where I went was it was like I was able to view what the culmination of consciousness thinks about, like God, I guess you could say. And it was that there really is no. How do we have an experience where experience as we know it is based on our memory because we are, our consciousness is always going towards memory. Right. And that's all it can draw upon. It can't draw upon anything new. How do we have that? Because memory is based on our linear time as well. It seems not that we can't travel back in our heads to different times, but it's set up and it's formed in a linear fashion from me wanting to grab this glass of water to grabbing it. It's all this linear understanding. And that was a lot of jumbled words and not really a question. But what my question for you is, is that how in your idea, what would an afterlife be like? <laughs> I guess I could condense oh. it down to that <laughs> after all that craziness. <laughs> oh, that's so interesting. Um, and do you understand so, what I'm hey, saying? Yeah, where it's like right, it kind gonna, of it's contradictory to how gonna, consciousness seems to operate, at least here. And it would almost seem like meditation and things like that are to escape thinking, escape linear time, escape the duality of almost existence, <laughs> it seems. Well, meditation works. Um, there's a couple, yes, it's, it's all of those. Okay. And, um, one of the, so one of the things that I've worked on for the past decade has been, how do we use meditation to touch those places that near death experiencers go to? So right. how can you have, have an experience with the, the guy that takes you to the light or the tunnel or the, the light itself or the reunion party or the divine beings or a past life review or uh, the reception center or blah, blah, blah. You know, all the places that near death experiences go to, how do you get there? Mm. And, you know, the only answer for a long, long time was, well, you had to put your physical body through such trauma, either from car accident or drugs or something. It something had to shock it so that it, you got outside of yourself, mm -hmm. right? Right. Perturb consciousness. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. So, but meditation um, done well um, has the ability to be able to focus our concentration. It has the ability to put us into a vibratory state that is consistent with what it is that we want to do, say like talk to the dead relative. And then, um, so it allows us to hold that space long enough so that we can learn to navigate in in that space. That's one of the troubles that you know near-death experiencers have is that they're thrust into this alien environment and they don't know what to do and everything's coming at them and it feels so big and loving and and it's it just overwhelms their their senses. Mm. And, and rightly so, but with multiple NDE ears, you know, they've learned over time. You know, if you've had two or three of these experiences, you can go, oh, well, you can navigate this way and mm. you can do that. And and so that's that's the lovely thing about about guides, about having somebody to assist you in doing this work. Um, it's one of, you know, like at the Monroe Institute, that's what we did, is that we help people through the use of binaural beat technology enter into and hold these states of consciousness and then guide them on what are the tools that you can use in that space. Mm-hmm. It's not unlike the shamans in Central America and South America who, say, do ayahuasca, right? Right? They do these ceremonies, and they're there to give um, support and guidance to the people who who do that. Okay, so now this is what we're going to do in this trip, and, and you're going to have this kind of experience, and we want you to talk to this plant or mm. you know, whatever is on the agenda for that day. Um, so this is a really long beginning to the fact that I love a statement that Bruce Grayson makes. He's one of, he headed up um, the Department of Perceptual Studies at the University of Virginia for a long, long time. He's one of the founders of INDS, the Near-Death Research Group. That's I-A-N-D-S, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and his contention, is explaining to me, is he thinks everybody has the same experience, that we leave and we go into the, the non-physical world, and that essentially it's the same experience for everyone, but we all have different metaphors that are stuck in our head to your point mm-hmm. that we can only draw upon something that makes sense to us. Right. So if you're, if you're have this sense of movement between the physical and the non-physical, you know, I might say, wow, that's a tunnel. And, <laughs> you know, there's this great story about a truck driver who was involved in an accident and he, you know, popped out of his physical body and he's and he's going towards the light. But what did he go through? A tailpipe. Because, <laughs> you know, that's his experience is that right. he's a he's a trucker and he's like, oh, well, it's a tailpipe safety there, you know, and off mm-hmm. you go. That's um, that's so, a, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, it's so to have somebody who's of the Hindu faith have a different experience than if you're a native American in Alaska mm-hmm. versus Scott Taylor, 
from southern Minnesota, you know, little <laughs> house on the prairie, you know, we're all going to do the best we can to try to explain to ourselves what is going on with this experience. And, you know, because I was grown up in the Christian tradition, you know, some of those metaphors might be Christian. Mm. But if you're, you know, Native American, if you're, you know, is your bear totem, is that is that your guide to take you to the lake? It, it's just right. Or are you going to go through the bardos? It, that's, that's I think it's really answer. helpful to to drop have people drop this you know what happened during your NDE like it's important whether or not somebody wore blue or pink or white <laughs> gown you know it's right. important in the sense that it's a metaphor for you but it doesn't mean anything in the abstract because for me I don't care mm-hmm. you know for you if it was light blue oh my gosh that's the that's the color of the heart and well, you know. so right. it's, um, I, I love hearing people's stories by what it reveals about who they are mm-hmm. and how they view the world. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it's interesting too, when you think about it this way, it almost seems like there would, there is no universality. Like, it's something it's saying something there about individuality. Of course, I'm not sure what entirely, because this idea that we are all one, I'm sure you've heard of that. And it's like, well, I guess I'm wrestling with, and it's been a long time since I've been in these realms. And I feel as though I, I have a pulling need to go back to it at least once or something, because I feel like I've forgotten a lot of it. And that should never happen. So I think psychedelics kind of can only take you so far. And so far, there's other experiences that may be a little bit more direct and authentic. There could you could make the argument that which I have that psychedelics kind of hold a door open for what consciousness is already capable of, of course. But um, but yeah, I've I've forgotten a lot of it. And it what what I wrestle with a lot is this non physicality always being described so physically and materially. And I know, and you know, with what you're saying with the connection to individual metaphors, that does kind of account for some of this question too, I guess, but it still really perplexes me that we have this idea of these like almost higher, better, better than this, right. Better another existence that's beyond the here and now. And I, as a conspiracy theorist with a tinfoil hat on most of the time, (laughs) I look at a lot of different ingrained cultural beliefs as distraction from here and now. And I often, I try to pick and choose with the new age because there's a lot of really great information there, but I often like to say the truth can be covered in shit sometimes. And, uh, so I just wonder what your perspective on that is, maybe from your experiences or, or what you've read and heard from others. Like, how do we justify this non-material, very material-seeming existence beyond here? I, I don't know. Maybe I'm not wording it perfectly, but I think you're picking well, up what I'm putting down. Okay, so here's how I'm interpreting your question. <laughs> and we're going to segue back to the original question was, what's the afterlife like? <laughs> and um, so from the interviews that I've done and what I've read, um, think of it like when we leave our physical body, you know, there's this reunion, which helps us establish that we're now in a different environment because we're talking to all these people that are dead. And, you know, clearly grandma, you know, Jenny, she's been dead for 25 years. So that's not a normal experience. Oh yeah. (laughs) So, and it's very lifelike. And, you know, for me, you know, if I was designing it, you know, it'd be outside under a tent with a picnic table and we're barbecuing and, and, and we're sitting there with flowers and, and some guitar music and we're exchanging stories um, with all of the relatives who are sitting around. Right. So that for me is a reunion, mm-hmm. but it's my reunion. It's not yours. This is, this is the one that I have constructed in my head. But then um, what seems to happen for people 
is that they'll go, um, this is especially true with people who have in, really ingrained religious beliefs, um, you know, where they think, okay, I'm, I'm not in my physical body anymore. My next duty is to sing onward Christian soldiers standing on a cloud <laughs> over and over again. You know? right. Well, you do that 3,247 times. And at some point you're going, really, this is it. This is what I'm going to do for eternity. I don't <laughs> think so. And at that moment, then it opens up. And now the, the world of the physical drifts away. And now there's more of the world of the non-physical still expressed in, in, in physical terms. But see, that's the progression is that you're able to be in this realm for a while. And then when you get to that point where you're going, really, this is it. I wonder what's next. And then what's next after that? And what's next after that? And you keep dropping off these roles that you learned in the physical until you are, you know, non-corporeal energy being existing and flowing with all there is in the non-physical universe. So it's a, it's an entirely different experience, but it takes us a while to lose the trappings of the physical. Mm, okay. And, and that's a wonderful thing. Um, people who do soul rescue will talk about this a lot when they go, you know, to rescue a soul who's, who's, um, they didn't know they were dead. They were so frightened after leaving their body. They're so ashamed of the things they did in the physical world. You know, they're just, they're just caught in this really low vibration. And either by themselves or with some assistance, some something pokes at them that says, is this all there is? Can I get some help? I really don't want to be here anymore. Mm. This this isn't serving me or the you know the creator. And at that moment, <laughs> it drops away and and then there's somebody there that will help them move on and give them direction mm. we are we are very well taken care of on the other side we just have to lose our stuff <laughs> it comes from being in the physical right there's right. this baggage um, oh there's a wonderful place up there called the healing and regeneration center and you know there's there's a reception center where we kind of get oriented and then they shoot you off to this healing and regeneration center because we have really ingrained behavioral patterns around what our physical body was. So say somebody was a soldier and was an amputee since they were 19 years old. Mm -hmm. Well, that's just part of their identity that, you know, they don't have a right leg. Well, they get to, they get to lose that pattern in the healing and regeneration center. You get to lose your addiction to alcohol, you get to lose that narcissistic um, tendency that you have, whatever it is, that was your role in the physical. And they're very gently bringing you back to, this is what it's like to be here in the non-physical world. You don't have to carry with you all of that stuff hmm. that um, was what made you who you were you know, here in the physical world. So mm. it's, um, so the early stages of what it's like to be in the non-physical world, the summary is it's unlearning. Oh yeah. It's you interesting know? that we're doing a lot of that in culture today here in the physical, yes. a lot of unlearning going on. It's almost that as above, so below kind of thing. Maybe, uh, yep. I, I ascribe to, um, a lot of, um, Mandelbrot's theories on fractals and things like that and how the universe appears or maybe it's not the universe maybe better put it would be that consciousness appears fractal at times um it it I don't know where I was going with that but something you had said reminded me of it but what I really wanted to get into was this the idea of reincarnation and what you've heard what your take on it is because um that's just another thing I've wrestled with it almost seems like 
consciousness, it's not a machine. People like to do the simulation thing, but it that's why we have mach the machines because they replicate consciousness. Everything is a copy or a mirror image of what consciousness is doing. And consciousness does kind of chug along like a locomotion, like a locomotive, well, locomotive, like a, a well-oiled machine. And it does seem like there's perfect systems in play and, and synchronicity well, is part of it. And um, well, think of it like, um, uh, so as above, so below. Yeah. You know, so as above, um, we are in a unity universe where everything mm. is connected to everything else. Right. Well, how is that replicated here in the physical? Can we say internet? Oh, absolutely. So, you know, everything is connected to everything else. And, and, you know, up there, you know, all you have to do is think about something. I have a desire to go to Paris and see the Eiffel Tower. Boom. You're there. Poof. There's no delay between thought and manifestation. Yep. There's a what delay do do because now? of the density of this I want, vibration. I want to see the Eiffel Tower. Well, you know, you type yeah. into Google Eiffel Tower, hit images, and what what that take you? Three, four <laughs> seconds? And it's funny, too, that we have the, our best example is the Internet. Right. But at the same time, that probably that as above, so below reflection probably existed long before the Internet, too, in oh, latent, absolutely. in latent abilities that we've lost. And now, hence the unlearning we're getting back to perhaps we're getting back to it. Um, there's, you know, significant research has been done about shamans, yep. you know, and their role way back when was to, you know, go, the herd of reindeer is two valleys over to the Northeast. And, you know, did they do it by going out of body? Did they intuit it? Did they mind's eye? I don't know. It, Tap whatever it, it is, they hooked into some consciousness that said, that's where the reindeer are. Well, right. let me tell you, you know, all the bad shamans got booted. <laughs> And, you know, so the tribes depended upon and supported that kind of like, um, broadened consciousness. Right. And so, I mean, it, it's it's built into us, you know, from our, our very DNA from a long time ago. And, mm. and now we're, we adopted Western culture that shut it off yeah. and now we're saying hey you know we need that back again so there's traditions like the monroe institute that is helping people you know open back up again there's mm -hmm. you know um uh, I, mean, I never heard the word ayahuasca you know <laughs> until 20 years ago so you know right and so our interconnectivity meant that these traditions that come from other cultures now belong to all of us mm -hmm. and and we can take advantage of it and we can absolutely go, oh, okay we can have both a, a reductionist view of the world and we can have a non-reductionist view of the world where you know we are we are individualist not sorry we are individual bits of the whole yeah yeah so when people ask me the difference between what's the difference between the physical world and the non-physical world, I go into English you know, and say, okay, in duality, the world that we are in right now, that's run by the words either or. You know? Damn right. Yeah. I'm Scott, you're Andy, and we have, um, I am different than you. Right. And I'm different than this microphone and the books behind me and yada, yada. It's either me or it's you. When we leave our physical bodies, we enter into the world of the non-physical. And that is ruled by the rules of unity. And the words for that are both and. Mm. So that means that I am Scott, you are Andy, and we are also part of the universal whole that is the consciousness of our species. Right. And so there is a, there is a collective human consciousness that we are an integral part of, you know, a fully present voting member of the, 
of our universal consciousness. Oh, okay. And we are separate. We get to have our individual experience because that informs the whole. Interesting. Okay. And so um, it's, and, and so when, you know, when you get into this work, you go, okay, we have to be able to hold these two disparate ideas as equal, mm. either or. Paradox. Scott, right? Yeah. And, and that's the beauty of, of, of delving into the, uh, of this work is that you go, we need to adopt new rules because this is an area that isn't run by the rules of duality. Right. And once we recognize that, that gives us this complete freedom to go, well, of course, I can be here in my physical body and I can be up with Mary Fran and Nolan talking to them. And I mm -hmm. could be in a third location or a fourth, you know, who right. says that we have to have one consciousness? Why can't we have multiple consciousnesses and be tied to the whole and know everything that we wanted and be able to skip back and forth? in terms of timelines and mm. you know, then it, wow. and all of a sudden you go, Oh, okay. Let's, let's have fun with this. Let's, right. Let's see, let's see where this can take us. All right. So to your question about reincarnation, I haven't even asked it yet, actually. Okay. I was, so uh, I, you asked me what my thought was. And well, yes. Yeah. Go, no, go ahead. Yes. So in, in my world, uh, absolutely true. We have multiple lives, but we have to remember there's a caveat to that because um, when we're in the world of the non-physical, there is no time. All time is now, which means all of those all of those lifetimes are happening simultaneously. Okay, and that's why um, you can get bleed through between these various. Um, lives and that they can you know one lifetime as a roman soldier can inform my lifetime today mm. it's i think it's one of the reasons that as we age we become wiser just by living in the physical world but all of me in all of those incarnations is getting wiser and and if we ask and if we have the ability to enter into these states of expanded awareness, you know, that bleed through can come through and mm. help inform what it is that we're doing here in the physical world. So that we're, that we're smarter, that we have more capabilities that we have, you know, those intuitive hits that we get, mm -hmm. you know, there's more of them as we get older. Well, some of them is, but we've trained ourselves to do that, but you know, my farmer life in the Dust Bowl of the 1920s, was he just speaking to me then? <laughs> you know, I, right. you, you just never know. I, it, so that's the, that's the crux of, of what most people don't get is that it's not a sequential thing. Right. It's not linear. It's not linear because linear time only refers to what's here in the, in the physical. And in the world of duality that's important because that's that's where we are at the current moment but mm. it's not the ultimate existence and it doesn't help explain how we how we can manifest these things you know? right this whole world of unity is you know where everything is connected to everything else right you know it's that's the foundation of remote viewing Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Put yourself in a in a meditative state. You let your conscious mind get out of the way so that you can ask the question and get information about something you couldn't possibly know that either is in the Amazon rainforest or it's on the you know on the backside of the moon. Right. You know, it that information is out there. It's available to us. There's a skill involved with how do we access that? Right. It only makes sense that there should be, it seems. Um, so this has been really informative more than I even imagined. This was great. And I do have another 
question for you. I have many questions. Maybe I'll have to have you back on sometime. I love it. That We're having fun. Yeah, this is a lot of fun. Um, my last question for you today is, and let's see if I can get it out. <laughs> <laughs> um, so a lot of my experiences um, kind of uh, reflect an idea that everything's happening right now. Um, it was as if a veil fell down that again, we've been talking about this nonlinearity that there is, there was no after that it was going on right now, all around me, just that in normal mode, survival consciousness, you don't really get that because you'd be far too distracted. And it almost felt like a long time ago, I probably did have this site and it slowly drifted off into the background, but it's all there right now, all the time. And I wonder what your thoughts are in pertaining to, to that vision. What will it look like? Will we continue to bring the, what we would contemporarily and previously call the afterlife? Are we going to bring that into the here and now eventually? What, is, what do you think this awakening across the board is really going towards? Um. That's a great question. My my tummy tells me that the most important thing, yeah, <laughs> your gut, your gut, is that we are going to um, the this access that happens um, under under duress and a near death experience is you know all of a sudden we have that. Yeah, um, it happens when we when we do psychedelic drugs. It happens now when we do these deep meditations. Um, but that is a learned skill and it's like all of these doorways are being opened yeah. by so many people and it, you know, the hundredth monkey syndrome, mm -hmm. you know, that says that, you know, once we reach a critical mass of people who have this ability, we all get it. And I think that's, what's going to happen is that we will then be tied into this greater self that is us. And mm -hmm. we're going to come to peace with this idea that we are individuals and we are connected to each other. Make peace with the paradox. Yeah. Make peace with the paradox. I had a near death experience or tell me once that when she came back, um, what she realized is that, you know, we are all, we are all one. She mm -hmm. says, Scott, if I were to grab the front of your shirt and punch you in the nose, said literally, I am punching myself in the nose. <laughs> so why would I do that? That makes <laughs> absolutely no sense how we have constructed our society. Mm. So I think it will have profound implications for us as human beings and how we organize ourselves and what we what we decide is is good and bad behavior yeah or, you know whatever right. that means <laughs> um it's a it will be a it will be a look into the finer nature of ourselves while at the same time remembering that we have this humanness that comes from you know all of the 30,000 years of survival in the DNA and mm. that's associated with that. Um, it will be a really interesting transition. I absolutely. And isn't it wonderful to be here now and to watch it happen? Absolutely. And all of this angst that we're going through and growing pains. Uh, it feels like yes. consciousness growing pains. Conscious. I like that. <laughs> Thank you. May I borrow that? Absolutely. Anytime, man. <laughs> Right. And, you know, this is why I fight against the whole transhumanist thing, because they where it's leading is an egoic desperation for eternal life that we already have. We are. <laughs> so that feels like the soul trap. you know. <laughs> so this was riveting. And I really enjoyed this conversation. Scott, I appreciate you being here, man. Please tell my audience where they can find you, because I'm sure they appreciated this, too. Can you hear me? Ah, 
you uh did uh, i cut just, out yeah you broke up there oh sorry about that yeah no i was just uh gratitude to you thank ah. you so much for being here i really appreciated this conversation man and i'm sure my audience did too so for those who don't know your work already please tell them where they can find you ah uh, thank you <laughs> i appreciate you coming back on that um <laughs> There's a couple of things. Um, one is that my website has all of the information about my retreats and my albums, which are mm -hmm. kind of above my head here. Um, and that Love is neardeathmeditations.com. Okay. Neardeathmeditations.com. Near all right. And um, I have a podcast that just deals with um, near-death experiences, and it's it's unique amongst its um counterparts there's a lot of people out there that are telling stories but i add in the research piece that either you know confirms or adds extra interest to the story so that's what I spend we spend a little time afterwards explaining what people were saying and it's called the afterlife files so think x files only this one's the afterlife files and Go to awesome. YouTube or it's on all of the platforms for, you know, podcast. And it'll be in the show notes for everyone to check out. Please go check that out. And Scott, again, thank you so much for being here. I'd love to have you back. I'm sure we can dive way deeper and get way weirder. So <laughs> I'd love to have you back sometime, man. Again. I love getting weird. This is great. There's nothing <laughs> more fun than to talk about consciousness for an hour. Damn right. All right, man. Well, you take care and I'll talk to you soon. Everybody have a great night and thank you so much for listening and tuning in. See you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Deep Share Podcast. If you want to hear more, then hit that subscribe button. Follow me on all the social places. And remember, think for yourself, but don't always believe what you think. Till next time. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, that's Enough, I get the point. <laughs> you have meddled with the primal forces of nature. <laughs> and you will atone. What do we know? What do we know? If oh. I know what we know, then I can tell you what we know. And if someone else knows, okay? I mean... <laughs> <laughs>Mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.